opportunities to hang out and have fun. And then the next one, breaking of bread and prayer. And when breaking of bread is coupled together with prayer, that's not just eating food. That's actually communion. And so here we see prayer meeting. So right at the beginning, verse 42, devote themselves to apostles' teachings, their services, discipleship, Bible college. Then we see fellowship, breaking of bread, prayer meeting. There's five of our ministry objectives right there in verse 42. Now you move to verse 43. Everyone was filled with awe, and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. How many just see that as a cherry on top of being a part of the real church? Amen? And, of course, we wish we saw more miracles here, but we still see miracles here. We see them when we do our ministries. We've seen demons cast out. We put it actually on YouTube on our foreign mission trips, prophecies, miraculous signs and wonders, and it puts people in awe. If you haven't been around a church like this and you get a part of our prayer times and our healing, uh, healing times when God is moving that way, you will be in awe and say it's awesome. Everybody go, awesome. Amen. Praise God. Now, verse 44, all believers were together and had everything in common, selling their possessions and goods they gave to anyone who has had need. So should we be a generous church? Should we be a giving church? Can everybody say amen? You see how it worked? If you had extra land in the early church and you saw the need, you would sell it. If you had even, uh, you know, a couple extra properties or things, you would sell it. Of course you were given your tithe, but these were considered offerings. That's how generous they were so that they could help people. So if somebody comes to me, as we had a call this week, and says, Pastor, can you help us pay our rent? Well, we have to say, I'm sorry, we're still trying to pay our rent. Uh, how about we do this? We both pray together that our rent gets paid. Amen. Now, somebody might say, well, Joe, that's a little sarcastic. Listen to me. My friends, if I don't pray, this bill does not get paid. That is a very real solution to me right now. I pray for God to make a way. Amen? So I pray for God to make a way. But then here's the thing. You might say, well, Pastor, I really think that's great. We should have a charitable giving organization. Great. Just start the foundation in your name. Whenever you're ready, and we'll accept the check and start doing it. You know what I'm saying? You want to put $10,000 in the foundation for helping homeless, hurting people? Well, I promise you, we have qualified leaders here that will give that away very well. You want to sell a house so that we can continue to feed the poor and needy? What does a house sell for right now? Between three to $500,000? Wonderful. We'll receive the check, three to four, $500,000, put it into a bank account, and we'll disperse it. So before we can do those things, we need to have those things. Everybody with me? Before you can give it, you have to have it. But this church was doing that. And I thank God that this church is doing what it can do. Amen? It does what it can. It's a lot for the size of this church, what we do. Now you keep going. It says, every day they continue to meet together in the temple courts. Now this is something that we don't really understand anymore. Amen? Uh, these guys met together every day. I just met a young South, South Korean girl that was friends uh, with Christina, and uh, she spent the summer in South Korea with her family out there. And uh, I asked her, I said, does your mother still pray every day? Because she moved to America now. And she said, yes, my mother prays every day at 530. I don't know if it's just in South Korea or China and different places like India, but it seems like in the southeast and the east, believers still will either meet together daily and pray or at least have private devotion at a, like a very early time on the phone, conferencing, and making sure they're staying together in faith. Now, for us as a church, that may be difficult, but I would at least say have time in your temple because the body says you are the temple of the Holy Spirit every day to meet with the Lord. Amen? 
But one day I feel this church will be open seven days a week and a prayer time here at any time. You know, I grew up in a small town where the Lutheran church was, the doors were always open. Some of you might have been a part of a Catholic church. Well, I want to come to that time where at any time somebody wants to come and pray, the church will be open for them. Amen? But right there we have the uh, community service, which is selling possession, giving it to the poor. Every day meeting in the temple courts, their services uh, just for us to meet together. And then now look at the part of 46 that we're going to talk about today. They broke bread in their homes. Now, this is not communion. This is actually eating food. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. Do you see how important it is for us to get in each other's homes and break bread together? It's actually a part of the New Testament body of Christ. And so uh, just to count them down with you, uh, going to verse 42, they involve themselves in the apostles' teachings, their services, discipleship, Bible college, fellowship, prayer, there's five. Selling their goods is community service is six. Uh, breaking bread in, in each other's homes is life groups. And then uh, so that's seven. And it says praising God and joining the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. And what do we consider those last three right there? Evangelism, church planning, and mission trips coupled right there because daily they were sharing their faith. We can track with that. Daily, people like Paul were going out in Barnabas planting churches. And daily, people were visiting those churches taking mission trips. But if you were to ask me today, out of those ten things that I've just shown you here in the New Testament church, what they did, what we're doing, it's on our website, on our board, you can see them out there. If you were to ask me, Joe, what do you think is the make or break, the glue that holds it all together, and if you got one of them, you can get all of them right? Life groups, home Bible studies. You might say, Pastor, what about discipleship? If you're not willing to go to the life group, you're not willing to be discipled. You see, so it starts with life group. See, because if you're not willing to open up your life and begin to share it with other people, then the other things are not going to follow. You might say, Pastor, what about me showing up on Sunday and dropping some moolah in the offering for you? How you like that, you know? What do you think about that? Listen to me. As much as I like that, like you fill the chairs, it doesn't look so empty this morning. That's awesome. You put some shekels in the bank account, cha-ching. My wife and I aren't living on the streets and homeless. We can pay our bills. As awesome that is for us, I didn't say for me i said for you see for you coming here you're just hearing me speak and present in a public setting it doesn't go deep into your life it doesn't go to the details i mean it could go deep into your heart i mean i wouldn't do it unless i believed in this but i'm saying like the application of the word the accountability of the word uh the practical working out of the word all of this could be actually just a one-time experience if you don't know how to connect it to your life just like that old saying goes, you know, did you have a good time at church? Yeah, I had a good time. What did you learn? I don't know, but I had a good time. You know, and then next week it's all forgotten. I'm ready to have a good time again. That picked me up. You see, life groups, what it does is it takes down the wall of separation between you and your church. It opens you up into a comfortable setting where you can begin to be yourself. Now, write down some of these obstacles. And remember, I don't have a board to put them on. But just write down some of these challenges that I have seen as a pastor to life groups. Number one biggest excuse why people don't attend life groups in our church, I'm not talking about other people today, just for Metro Praise, is the excuse, I'm too busy. 
How many can relate to that? Being busy in life, okay, and nobody's raising their hands. A couple people now. It's like, oh, Pastor Frank, don't raise their hands and get rebuked now. Okay. Now, let's think about our busy schedules for a little bit. Now we're going to prioritize, right? Let's look at the Word of God, prioritize. How should we prioritize our life? What should be number one in our life? God. What should come after God? Family. Okay. Now, here's the, here's the question, number three. What do we think number three is? Most people at this point would say, my job's number three. God, family, job. Can I dare to say church is number three and your job is number four? Now, you might say, Pastor, man, you, you're, you're making me upset. Now, don't go there. I'm going to go there, okay? And I'm going to tap dance while I'm there, amen? If you don't understand how church, see, church, we, we start here. Remember a, lot of, remember a lot, I talked about this last week, a couple weeks ago. A lot of people think here is the finish line. Like you made it to church, like we're just clapping as you're walking through the door. High five. You made it, finish line. You know, like dun, 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 Chariots of fire. Does anybody remember that? Dun, 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 dun. You're crossing the finish line and slow. I made it to church. Let me tell you, church is not the finish line. This is the starting gate. This is the starting gate. And I know it took so much to get some of you here, and I know that's very true. But listen, this is just the starting gate. This is not the finish line. You're supposed to move from here this week and, uh, and be the church, not just come to church. And so when you say time is the problem, I want to ask you a question. Are you more busier than the early church? Well, uh, they went to church every day. They had jobs. They sold possessions. That means they had to own things. Okay, well, maybe the early church is not a good example. Let me ask you a question. Are you busier than the 80 or 90 who are coming right now? Well, you got people in this church, police officers, nurses, project managers, uh, teachers, uh, all types of students, all types of blue-collar workers, people in college, restaurant owners. You know, are you busier than those people? No, so the problem isn't you have a life group problem or a time problem. The problem is you have a time management problem. And you're not seeing the value of what a home Bible study and fellowship does. And so as we get through these obstacles, I hope to encourage you today. Because you know what? Your spiritual walk means more to me than just showing up on Sunday. Because, yeah, you made me feel good today, right? You, you, you came. You put in the tithe and offering. You filled up the seat. So Joe's good, right? High fives. You're good. This was a good Sunday for me. Good first service. But once again, how are you going to be this week? See, i got Christian brothers and sisters all around me during the week. I'm being encouraged by the Lord. I'm going through my struggles in a community of people walking through it, and I'm learning. I'm growing. Are you going to do that this week? The number one, uh, number one thing is time. The second thing is misunderstanding. The first one is time. Just, Joe, I'm busy. We just can't do it. We would be there. Uh, you know, I, I'm the mayor of Chicago. I've just got appointed to put in a new bridge. I am so busy. If I don't build this bridge, people are going to die and fall off the bridge. Joe, I've just been asked to hold the world on my shoulders like Atlas right now. And if I move one inch, I will not be able to, you know, the world won't survive. Okay, so you're busy. Then the second thing that we hear is just misunderstanding. Like, no, I'm good. Like that, it's like, it's like going to life groups, like going to the hospital. It's like, you going to the hospital this week? No, I'm good. You going to life group? No, I'm good. Everything's good. Your life is good? Yeah, I'm good. <laughs> you know, it's like, did you get that vaccination shot? Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. 
good. Everything's good in my life. Marriage good. Isn't it right, honey? Shake your head, honey. Come on. Say, everything good. Kids, you're good. We're good. Everybody good. Everybody say we're good. So that's the way we think about it. We're good. We don't understand what we're talking about. We're just, we're good. Because people who go to life groups got a lot of problems, and they just, they need it. They need to, like they're hobbling along. Oh, I can't make it. And then they got to get the life group crutch. Oh, I got my life group crutch now. It's a misunderstanding, you know. People think that you only go to life group if you have problems. The other people think, like, well, I already went to church this week. What's the life group going to do? Like, I'm cool. I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. We're not understanding. Number one. Your day will turn bad sometime in your life. You're not going to be good, good, good all throughout your life. And on that day, you're going to wish you had Christian friends around you, okay? The first thing. The second thing is we're not saying this is like the only thing uh, that, that uh, will prop you up spiritually and that if you don't show up here, you're not going to know God like you'll go to hell without a life group. What we're saying is you can still go to heaven without a life group, but you won't have as much knowledge and friends and souls to meet you when you get there. What life groups do is build you up every, every week. They challenge you to grow in your faith, to learn more about the scriptures, to gather together with people. Because remember, you're good. You're good. Everybody's cool in your family. But probably somebody that week out of your eight or ten, somebody's not good. And by you being at home being selfish, you're not helping them. So now when they're going through a bad week, you're helping them. And you get blessed when you help other people. Amen? And so get the misunderstanding out of your mind that I'm just good. I'm good. I'm good. I came to church here. No. We need this. The Bible says we need this. They did it, and we should do it. So the first thing is time. The second thing is misunderstanding. And then the third thing, mostly when people stop coming, is a form of offense. See, people get offended because in this group of 8 to 10 people, we all can't put on a mask anymore and pretend to be cute. Somebody may say something you don't like now. Uh, Somebody may come at you the wrong way. You you may be disappointed at the way a leader talks to you. Or you may feel like they're stepping on your toes or getting too personal. And so then the response back to that is, dude, I'm not showing up there again. Honey, we're not going back there. I didn't like the way that leader talked to me. Oh, I didn't like the way that when I said my need, the way that sister, she came back at me. She acted like she was better than us. No, I'm not going to do that. And I begin to get this impression from people in Metro Praise. It's like, Pastor, I love you. They'll say, I love you. I love the church. I love what you're doing on Sundays. But the life groups are just not for me right now. But the reason is it's because of offense. Well, the Bible talks about how to get over offenses. If somebody has bothered you, whether it's a life group or somebody there, go to them personally and share your offense and say, you know, this didn't settle right with me. And then the Bible says in Matthew 18, if they don't listen and it's not going well, then to bring another person with you, a trusted leader, an elder or deacon is what we prefer. You know, don't just pull Cousin Flacco off the street and be like, look, I'm going to talk to my church. I need you to get my back here, okay? So it's like, it's like, come on, let me get an elder or deacon. And then if it still is not resolved, who gets involved in it then? The pastor right here, okay? I will make sure we will find out what went on in that life group. If somebody did do you wrong, if a leader talked to you wrong, you've tried to resolve it, the deacon won't help you, they're deacon around, and now you're just like, man, I need somebody to settle this thing. I promise you, I will be that problem solver. When you walk out of that meeting, that offense will be crushed in Jesus' name. The worst thing you can do is just keep it on the inside of you and not show up to life groups because somebody hurt your feelings. And I got feelings, and they get hurt so easy. Okay? And then the fourth one, the fourth one, I'll just be honest with you, the fourth one, lack of commitment to God himself. 
The number one reason why people don't like life groups, too busy. Number two, misunderstandings. Number three, offenses. And number four is that they're disconnected from God. Because you know you come every week, hey, how's it going? We were, we were praying about this last week, you know. You were saying that you were struggling on the job. There were some perverted thoughts going on. Uh, you know, how you doing? How's it? Oh, I don't know. I don't want to talk about it anymore. And what happens now? We remind you of the Word of God. We remind you of the things of God. And you just don't want to be reminded anymore. And so you, 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 don't, you don't stop coming to church. You don't just drop out of this thing altogether. It's just you just want to ease up a little bit. Because you and God, you're, you're not really as close as you once were, and you don't want anybody else in your business. Because that goes to a misunderstanding. I could have talked about this as well. We misunderstand. We're not here to be your priest. We're not here to be your mediator between you and God. When we talk about sins, life struggles, and what we're going through, we're not trying to say, you know, confess it all to me or you're not going to be forgiven. We're just here to help, guys. When you learn the appreciation of accountability, you actually can't live without it. Like, like now that I know how to come in my weakness and get help, I never want to go through problems by myself anymore. I just don't. As a matter of fact, I've kind of gone to the other extreme. When we had this situation going on with rent, I call up my dad. I call up uh, Brother Ricky. I call up Brother Anthony, my pastor. And then I call up Pastor Danny Cruz of the pastor over here. I called up four different people and basically created my own financial life group that day. So I was just like, guys, tell me I'm okay. Am I going crazy? I feel like I'm going crazy. You know, the money situation. What do you think, Dad? I mean, you remember me from a little kid. Like, am I doing this thing right? And then, like, Ricky, what do you think, man? Are they just backslidden and not tithing and giving? Like, I need you to encourage me right now. And then, you know, like, Pastor Danny, you're in the city. I mean, you've got a lot of people in the church. They give their ties and help over there. Am I going to lose the building? Can I borrow your building if I lose our building? I don't know what to do. It's like a little life group. And they're like, take a deep breath. <sighs> You're okay. And then they're all like praying for me and loving me. Because I love life groups. I just created my own little life group. Like, you know, come on, people. Number one, you're not too busy. Make time. We, we uh, have put these times up. Can you put up the, the, the list for me, Ali? We're creating times all throughout the week for you and your convenience. If there is one that is not on your schedule yet, would you please let somebody know, and maybe the next one we start, we create, we can come up with you. I'm just going to put, that, put it up here for us, brother, please. Uh, there you go. Sunday at 7, so there's one in the evening. Sunday at 6 p.m., another one in the evening. Ishmael at 3 p.m., Salvador and Jessica at 5 p.m. So there's like these different ones all just on Sunday because you're just like, man, Sunday's the Lord's Day. I got this only time with my family. Okay, knock it out. Boom. Go to church. Go to life group. I promise you you're going to be happy about it. Uh, now we have one during the week, Thursday. Somebody's just like, you know, weekends are not good for me. It's all family. It's all catching up on stuff. We'll pop in on a Thursday. And then somebody else, well, you know what? I got Fridays off now. I can do it Friday. So basically you have Friday, Thursday, Saturday. There's seven to choose from. If it's not on your time let, uh, yet, please let us know. And then youth, you don't have that excuse with time. We're not going to hear that from you. Amen. Youth, you got all the time in the world. I don't care if you're playing soccer and two piano classes or whatever. You still got time. Just come to life groups. Let me share with you some scriptures now that are going to help you get over these things that you're overcoming. Look at Matthew chapter 18, 19 through 20. Make time. Please have the right understanding. Drop the offense and get close to God. If you trust me as your pastor to show up here to preach to you about Jesus, heaven, and hell, would you please trust me and what we're teaching right now? I'm going to say that one more time because I know a lot of you are, are, are looking up the scripture. When you have a moment, can everybody just look at me and just smile? 
Amen. If I don't get a chance to greet you today, I love you in Jesus' name, every one of you. Let me just say this. If you trust me in orthodoxy, which is the teaching of true doctrine, would you treat, treat, uh, trust me in orthopraxy, which is the teaching of true practices of the church? Does everybody understand? If you trust me to teach you doctrine, would you trust me to teach you practices? The life group is not to lead you astray. The life group is to help you. It's in the Bible. And here are some things that I think you'll see the benefit are. Number one, you can see miracles happen in your life. Matthew 18, 19 through 20. Again, I tell you that if two of you on earth agree about anything you ask for, it will be done for you by my Father in heaven. For where two or three come together in my name, there I am with them. Hello, there is a youth, there is a life group if I ever saw one. And there are no life groups with only three people, okay? So anytime you're there and there's more than three people, you know who's there with you? Jesus is there with you. Jesus is there. And you might say, well, I got a husband and a couple kids. He's here right now. That don't count, okay? That don't, he wasn't talking about that. He's talking about when you get another voice, when you get another opinion, when you get another believer. Your family is one unit in the Bible sense. It's one unit. You all come together as one. It's saying come together with another family unit. Come together with another man. Husband, father, listen to me, sir. Come together with another man. Mothers, come together with another mother. Young people, come together with another young person. And it says, when you do that, you come together and you agree. It's done in my Father's name. It's done. What miracles can take place at life groups? And if we had time, we would testify today about miracles that have taken place. People's lives have been transformed. Testimonies have been answered. A prayer request have been made known in these life groups. So many people come to me and they say, this life group changed my life. You know why it changed their life? Because two or three people got together and said, what is your need, Nick? What's going on in your life? Okay, brothers, you hear that? Let's all gang up on the devil and plead heaven for this need right now. And then an answer comes. You see, that can't happen in the service right now. We do these altar times. We have a second service to go to. Many of you make plans on Sundays. We get that. We can't have two or three people around you at one time at every service just to meet that need. But a life group can. How about this? How about when you're sick? How about when you're going through trouble? Can the pastor just drop what he's doing? Think about it this way, guys. If I always drop what I'm doing, I'm never doing everything for everybody. So at some point, I have to start making commitments to the people that I'm with. So, for example, I have appointments for this Thursday. But that doesn't count if you go to the hospital. So if you go to the hospital this Thursday, I now have a choice. If it conflicts with these appointments, do I cancel these appointments from people that are having marriage trouble, problems with their youth? Do I cancel that to go visit you? Because now I've let down these people. You know the answer for a pastor is to make up a lot of little pastors to help them. And I don't mean little like, oh, Dito, but life group leaders become the extension of this church. So when something's going on, and of course I want to be there. I'm not saying I'm just going to be sitting back lazily sipping lemonade going, well, they're in the hospital. Praise God. God bless them. I'll go when I can. I don't mean it that way. I'm just telling you guys I'm not sitting around doing that a whole lot, okay? But when you're in the hospital, oh, ish, 
Robin, did you hear about one of your members in the hospital? Can you gather together with Cynthia, some of your people, two or three, gather together at that hospital room? Can you do that? Oh, something's going on in another person's life? Okay, uh, Sue Ellen and Jared, can you gather together with Joe Ruiz and go there? See, now throughout the week, instead of one pastor trying to show up and bless everybody, feeling like that guy spinning plates, okay, I got this going on with this family. I got this going on with the youth group. I got this going on here at the church. I got this going on with the Foreign Nations. Oh, I got to run back over here and get that plate going. And, and then I feel like I'm in a circus. Now I can just sit back and go, my life group, elders and deacons. Elders and deacons life group are these 10 places that are meeting throughout the week. Now, instead of one person doing it all, we got 10 groups, my wife and I, 11 groups of people serving the body of Christ. Everybody's got a team around them now. Amen. Everybody's got two or three people going, I got your back. I got your back. We're going to pray with your kids. I got your back. I remember when we were first starting this, you know, Berto had saw us cast out devils, and his friend had asked him to come over because his sister was having problems. And he went over there, and he cast out the devils in Jesus' name. But he didn't know that he had done it all by himself. So he said, Pastor, I want you to come back the next day and to see if I've actually cast out all these devils. So I come there with them, Berto. You remember that? And we come there, and all the devils were gone. So it's like I just came over, just took the stamp, job done well. It was already done. The devils were already cast out. Some of the people in the life groups, you know, you're coming to me, Pastor, Pastor, we got to talk. Can we talk after service? Things are falling apart. And then what do I say? Talk to your life group leader. And then I'll see you next week. You're just skipping through the daisies. What happened, I ask you? Oh, I talked to Ish and Rob. And I talked to Chris. Everything's okay. Now God showed up. Woo, amen. Are you all getting this? Two or three together, Jesus shows up. Miracle happens. How about this one? Acts 10.25. Turn there with me, please. Your family can get saved. Oh, I wish somebody heard me right there. What's a benefit of a life group? Your family can get saved. I want you to hear this story. Acts chapter 10, 25 is where it kind of gets started. But basically, Cornelius is a righteous man. He's seeking after God. And God says, I'm going to send a pastor to your house. Peter comes to be a pastor to him and start a life group over there. And when he comes, he basically leads his whole family to the Lord. And I want you to look at verse 23, and we'll move on down through 25. It says, The next day Peter started off with them, and some of the brothers from Joppa went along. The following day he arrived in Caesarea. Cornelius was expecting them and had called together his what? His relatives and what? Close friends as Peter entered the what? The house. Cornelius met him, fell at his feet in reverence. So if you're ever that excited and you want to fall at the life group leader's feet, listen to what Peter said. Stand up, man. I am only a man like, I am only a man myself. You know, so if we come to your house, you're like, oh, no. And you just faint. We're like, stand up. It's okay. But I want you to hear this. When they went to the house, friends and relatives came. Okay, let's go through this right now. Life groups meet in homes. One of the strategies of life groups to reach new people is to take turns with people hosting them. And right now, if you're not one of those on the list, your house can become one. If you don't ever want to do that, that's fine. It's okay. But here's an opportunity for your house to be used by the Lord. Now, let me ask you a question. 
What do you think is easier for you to do with your friends, close friends, and relatives? Hey, guys, you want to give up a Sunday and come to church with me for two hours? Or how about this? You want to come to my house and have a barbecue free food? What do you think is easier, my friends? What do you think is easier to get a bunch of people at your house for? Free food, fellowship, let's hang out, or to come to church. If people are not already comfortable with coming to church, it's harder to get them to come to church. It's easier to say, hey, i got some friends coming over from the church. We're going to have some food. Why don't you bring you and the kids over, and we're going to hang out today. You don't have to call it a life group. And I'm being, I know a lot of times I say kidnap people or tell them they're going to get a free pony. I'm all being sarcastic about that, okay? But, but this I'm being serious as a strategy. You don't have to get into the whole thing. Well, it's a life group. We do like two Bibles, two songs and a Bible study. No, just come on over to the house. People from the church are coming over. And people will show up, eat some food, and when you start singing, they'll just wonder what's going on. And just be like, this is what we do when we hang out. Just like we used to put on the music and started bochata in the backyard. This is now what we do. We put this on. And we're going to clap our hands. And then this, this person right here, one of my friends, they're going to share a word. And then we're going to pray for you. Come on. And then we're just, cousin, come on, cousin. You just sit right here in the middle. Jesus, save them, Lord. Save them, Jesus. As much as I'm being kind of facetious, half kidding, I want you to think about life groups. Even if they're not at your home, getting your close friends and family to go to somebody else's house. Hey, we're going with the kids over to this house. Or we're going to go have a barbecue. Life groups are always having special events throughout the month as an introduction to your people. This month, I've asked them to all be creative for the harvest time. You know, instead of calling it Halloween, we're going to do Harvest Fest. So, you know, all these life groups are thinking of, well, we could have, you know, just a barbecue outside. We could all hand out candy to the kids. Even if it's not uh, Halloween, we could just walk around and scare the neighbors and give candy to the kids. we got to think that one through. But, you know, what I'm saying like come here little kid let me give you some candy from my church um, but you but you know what I'm saying just do something cool for Jesus hand out hot cider come on number one going to life groups miracles can happen number two family members can get saved number three the city can come to know Jesus I want you to go to Acts chapter 5 verse 42 it starts with you you will see miracles. Number two, your family will have a great chance of getting saved and growing in their faith. And then number three, we can actually see a city won. This is the best strategy to see a city come to Jesus. Acts chapter 5. There is a reason why they did this. Jesus had a strategy for them to change their communities. Acts 5.42. You remember some of you growing up that we used to know our neighbors. That we used to have relationships with people in the neighborhood. Life groups is a way of building that back up again. Oh, did you hear about so-and-so, that thing in the neighborhood? No, I didn't, but we're going to pray. We're going to pray. You know, life group leaders, be aware of community meetings. Show up at those meetings. Yeah, we're here. We're going to help out. We'll pray in this community too. Oh, did you guys hear there's been some robberies in the community? All right, we'll keep our eyes open. You see, we can begin to build community relationships this way in those uh, communities, knocking on doors, inviting them to come. Hey, you know, just want to let you know we're down the road. Even if they don't come, now they know. There's a good Christian couple right there. If there's somebody that I can count on, if there's problems in this neighborhood, they're going to help me make it right. If there's something that we can work together on, we can work through these situations. See, I still believe that people genuinely on the inside want to get along. 
I don't care this tough Chicago exterior we put on. When you get home and you're cutting your grass and you're looking at your neighbors, generally people want to be friendly. Generally people want to feel comfortable with the people they're living next to. Genuinely they're looking for other good people to feel that their neighborhood is a good neighborhood. And I've lived in some tough neighborhoods, even in those places on Lawndale and Potomac. You meet some of the families. Their concerns are mostly the same as yours. And you look at Acts chapter 5, verse 41. The apostles left the Sanhedrin rejoicing because they had been counted worthy of suffering disgrace for the name. So these disciples had been persecuted for serving Jesus. What is our excuse for not doing things for God? Here these disciples were actually arrested. You can look in history and, of course, church history. We lost over 100,000 disciples in the first couple decades of Christianity, being put in Roman gladiator rings, being eaten by wild beasts, being burned alive, being lined on roads with crosses, being put up. Nero was a sick and disgusting man that blamed Christianity for the burning of Rome. He crucified thousands and lined the road up into his palace with crucified Christians. But they, they were rejoicing. They were rejoicing that they had been counted worthy of suffering the disgrace for his name. And let's just go to verse 40. His, his speech persuaded them. They called the apostles in and had them flogged. Do you remember uh, the passion of the Christ, the flogging that Jesus got? That is the flogging the disciples got. This time they weren't crucified, but they were flogged. All that you saw, the tearing of their flesh, the ripping apart of their body, 40 lashes by the Roman government as a form of torture our apostles received. Then they ordered them not to speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. See, aren't you glad I'm reading a little bit more here? I just felt led of the Lord to go up to those couple of verses right there. See, they had been ordered not to speak in Jesus' name. They had been beaten. They had been whipped. But now they leave. And what are they doing? Are they complaining? Are they saying, man, we're not talking about Jesus anymore. Boy, going to church, that's too much. I'm too busy now. I've got an offense. I'm going to quit on this thing now. No, they rejoice. We are worthy of suffering and disgrace for the name of Jesus. If Jesus went through it for me as a sinner, I can do it for Jesus because he's worthy of it. Verse 42, day after day in the temple courts and from house to house. Everybody say from house to house and from house to house. That's why I love switching life groups up. Do it a few months here. Do it a few months there. Give everybody the opportunity to host and, you know, do something great in their house. And listen, no one is judging you here by your house. Trust me. We don't judge you by your house, the type of place you live in. I've gone from Indian huts to million-dollar mansions. A house dedicated to the Lord is a palace to me. Are you listening? And it's a place you shouldn't be ashamed of either. Listen to me. No one here is judging you on that. Day after day in the temple courts, from house to house, they never stop teaching and proclaiming the good news that Jesus is the Christ. They never stopped. They never stop. Let's go to the next house and have a life group here and spend the next four months knocking on their doors. Because sometimes life group leaders say, listen, Joe, I've knocked on my neighbor's doors 20 times. They think we're Jehovah Witnesses and Mormons now, okay? Well, then you know what you do? You say, who here wants to volunteer to be the next house we're going to invade with this life group? Okay, you want to volunteer your home for the next four months, three months, whatever's comfortable? We're going to go there. We'll meet an hour early, and we'll knock on those doors. You ask me, does it work? Mary, would you stand up, please? Come on, Mary, stand up. Come on, don't be ashamed. Does it work? Absolutely. And if you saw last week, thank you, Mary. You may be seated. Her entire uh, row right back there where our brother is sitting, Felicia and them in the back row, was filled with her family and friends last week. 
How did they come to know the Lord? Through David and Monica going house to house, asking them to come. David, would you stand up? Let's bless the Lord for David being faithful. Come on. How many more, how many more Marias are out there waiting for someone to invite them to a home Bible study? How many more of your friends and family are waiting for an opportunity to hear about the Lord? If we're going to be faithful to God, we need to remove these excuses from our vocabulary. And we need to start proclaiming what the Word of God says. The excuse of not having enough time, rearrange your schedule and make time for the Lord. I promise you, putting the things of God first will come back for your benefit. Matthew 6.33 says, Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. The misunderstanding that you're Superman or you're okay, listen, just take that mask off. Take off your cape and boots. Take the S off your chest and come and be around some of us humanoids. Amen. Come be around some of us ordinary folk and hold hands with us in prayer and pray for us and, and learn from us as we learn from you. And for those that have offenses, would you please forgive people? Would you just forgive people? Get over it. Okay. You've hurt people too. You're not perfect. You know, and if you find the perfect life group, the moment you show up, it won't be perfect anymore because you're going to blow it. All right. Because there is nobody perfect. And just forgive like Jesus said. Jesus said, if your brother sins against you, 70 times 7, forgive them. Well, every time I go to take that seat on the couch, sister so-and-so always takes that seat. I don't care if she takes that seat 490 times. You forgive her for taking that seat. Amen? That's her seat. God bless her. And then lastly, get close to God. When you're passionate for God, you'll love life groups. You'll be like, man, I want to be there because I just want more of the word. I want to hear from my brothers and sisters. I want to share what's going on in my life. And I want to bring my family. I want to bring my friends. And I want this whole city to know that God is alive because you're close to the Lord. You know Jesus and you want to make him known. Would you all stand to your feet with me today? May we never stop going house to house teaching and preaching the good news of Jesus. I'm going to ask Ellie that you will find the best Christian party dance song you can. Okay? Just get it ready for me because I'm going to pray. And then put up the life group screen for me. I'm helping you. I know we didn't practice this. It will look perfect for second service. Nobody will know the difference. But we're going to pray today. And we're going to act like, dude, we just won the Super Bowl. We're going to put on some happy songs. I'm going to call up life group leaders. We're going to cheer for all of them. And then we're going to ask you to find a life group today. Amen. And Berto, block that door right now. Amen. I, I don't care. There's Ricky, the police officer. Ricky, did you bring the glot? Did you bring the glot? They can't leave. Amen. <laughs> Amen. I'm just teasing. If you have to go, obviously, we're not going to force this. But I did forget the video. Do you have the video for me? The Abominable Snowman. I want you to watch this video, and this is how we're going to love you here. Uh, if you're ever confused about our methodology, uh, this is the methodology right here. This is like when you visited our church, and that's us right there. Here's a new member. Just what I always wanted, my own little bunny rabbit. This is how we love you here. George, and I will hug him and pet him and spit. 
Just like that. We may be a little rough, but we, you know we love you. And we don't like it when you say that because we love you too much. And this is what we do if you don't show up to life groups. This is what we do. <laughs> if you don't go to life groups, that's what happens. Hey, Amen. You can cut it off. Let's give the Lord a hand clap for loving you like that. Until you put a restraining order on us and call block us. And until you send, like my friend right here, to be your bodyguard, we're coming after you like that. Amen. Let's pray. Father, I thank you today for this awesome lesson on being a family, sharing our life together, and God, growing the way you called us to grow. God, we're not perfect at life. God, that's why you told us to do life in community. And, uh, Lord, we see it so effective in everything else. We see teams, when they work together, they win games. We see governments, when they come together, they can build a safe society. And, Lord, when families work together, they have a great uh, family and children to raise. Lord, the church is the same way. If it's just Sunday, if it's just once a week, and if it's just a public gathering, we're not growing and we're not able to help others grow. And so, Lord, today I pray as we celebrate these life groups, as we live this New Testament Christianity out as best as we can, that any of those excuses that may be in my brother's and sister's heart, that, Lord, you'll work it out. God, we can't manipulate. We, we don't want them to be forced, God. But, Lord, let them figure this out on their own, and maybe we can help. But, Lord, most importantly, you do it through them. Show them how important this is because, God, it will change their life and their family, and they'll be better for it. And this city can learn about you, Jesus. In your name we pray. And everybody said amen. amen. Can we bless the Lord for that? Come on. You are not dismissed, so do not go. Okay, we got. can we put up the life group slide right here? Okay, let's get some uh, party music on right here. We're going to clap for them. We're going to have you come and meet them. Uh, amen. There we go. Put it up just a little bit. Okay, Ricky and Rachel, Sundays at 7 p.m. Come on right there. Eddie Berto and Griselda, Sundays at 6 p.m. Come on. Come on, keep clapping like you're excited. Come on. Like pretend this is an NBA game right now or something. Like Michael Jordan, Ishan Robbins, Sundays at 3 p.m. Our new one, Salvador and Jessica, Sunday at 5 p.m. Jared and Suellen, Thursdays at 6 p.m. David and Monica, Fridays at 7 p.m. Now here we got the youth life groups, Ellie and Lilani, Sundays at 2 p.m. Ellie, you can stand in the front with her. Thank you. Monique leading the new life group at 3 p.m. on Sundays. Right there. Adam, Saturdays at 6 p.m. Adam Nieves. Now here's husbands, or here's wives coming. This is what I'm going to ask you guys all to do. Do not leave until you find a life group, shake their hands, and tell them you'll be there this week. You are dismissed as you come up here to the front. Come on. Come on, let me help some of you. If you already got one, go ahead and go to them. God bless you. God bless you.
Come on, if you already have one, go up to them. I invite you guys to go. Come on. Come on, family. Would you, would you at least try to find one up there? At least try. Come on. I can't force you. Come on. My friend, right? Would you, would you at least shake their hand? Would you at least shake a hand? Yeah. Come and shake a hand. Come and shake a hand. I know you guys go to Griselda's and Birdo's. Just shake their hand before you go. Would you do that? God bless you. Come. It's like a party. Just go and shake one of their hands. I know you guys are still in between. I'll walk you over there. Come on, Ish. Ish, throw him the line. Throw him the line. There it is. <laughs> Come on, he's coming. Reel him in. Reel him in. Okay, guys. You are dismissed anytime you got to go. But hang out with your life groups, okay? New life groups starting. Come on, don't be shy. Don't be shy.